What is Montrospective? It's what we say to ourselves and our attitude towards it. We repeat mantras over and over again to ourselves. If we're doing it right, they're positive, not negative. What we say affects our attitude and our point of view. We all have dreams and goals, but how many of us know where to start to make them happen? I am fascinated by everyday people who are doing extraordinary things, and I wanted to find out why and how they were able to be successful. I spent 16 years in radio, not as a DJ, but as a promotions director. I never had an interest in being front and center or putting myself out there as a personality. Fast forward to today, I have something to say and messages from incredible people to share. Simply put, I am interested. I want to know what propels everyday people to follow their dreams in the hopes that it will inspire you to do the same. We have one life to live. Let's listen, learn, and share our journey with the world. This is Montrospective. Montrospective would like to thank our sponsor. If you're looking for a one-stop shop that offers yoga, meditation, Reiki, readings, and various other classes along with being a metaphysical store, check out Mantra in Blue Springs, Missouri off 7 Highway. Also online at mantrakc.com. If you are a lover of chocolate, today's guests are really going to inspire you. They are a mother-daughter team who created an artisan chocolate boutique specializing in hand-painted bonbons, chocolate bars, and fine confections. They opened their shop during the COVID-19 pandemic, and it has taken off. Jessica Washburn and Pat Jarstad, welcome to Montrospective. Thanks. We're happy to be here. Happy to have you. I know you've had a challenging week already and we'll get into like the fun start, the fun parts of it, but we're in this crazy Arctic, I don't know, insanity right now in Kansas City and you had pipes freeze and all sorts of stuff going on. So I appreciate you taking time to talk to me. Um, And I'm sure it's kind of a welcomed break because you have had a crazy couple (laughs) of weeks for sure. So thank you both for coming on and we normally kick it off by talking about you as a kid. So for both of you, what kind of kid were you and what were your dreams for your future? <laughs> I was kind of quiet. I was the youngest of five siblings or four siblings and just kind of go with the flow kind of thing. and but had a lot of good friends and just did a lot of fun things. Was chocolate a part of your family growing up at all? Or was this something, an appreciation that developed later on in life for you? Um, we've always had a sweet tooth, definitely. <laughs> and so candy in general was always really good, but not necessarily like the fine chocolates. I think when I worked in a department store, I there was a level up that I saw as I was a teenager. Um, and so then I got into buying some of those, but this fine chocolate thing, um, I've always loved and I love trying them as a grown up, I would say. And then Jessica. <laughs> Got really crazy about it, and here we are. 
All right, Jessica, so we're in a unique situation right now because we've only had one other mother-daughter duo on before. So what were you like as a kid? And then Pat, back that up. And is that true? <laughs> um, so I was the oldest of four. Um, so I, I think I have a lot of those like type A overachiever first child uh, tendencies. Um, I was... Uh, pretty shy. Like I was comfortable with my friends, but I didn't really feel very confident around people I didn't know. I didn't feel like I was like one of the cool kids. Um, like I, I had, you know, confidence in like my school smarts, um, but was maybe a little awkward socially, uh, a little bit of an introvert. Um, but I was always a really, really hard worker. So, um, for example, like I danced ballet um, with a ballet school when I was a teenager and I had the opportunity to dance Clara in the Nutcracker. And it was not at all because I was the best dancer. It was because like I would show up. I knew everyone's choreography. I sewed everyone's point shoe ribbons on. I would put up people's hair. I taught, substitute taught. I worked in the office. I knew like it was absolutely because I was like nose to the grindstone. I want this. I'm going to work for it. Um, so that, that was kind of me. I've always kind of been a really, um, like a hard worker, but I think as a kid, I would shy away from doing things. I didn't know I could be successful at because I was really afraid of failing. Like I was terrified of failing. And what was even worse was if somebody were to see me fail, that would be just like the absolute worst. All right, Pat, do you concur with that? <laughs> Pretty much got it down, yes. Well, I'm the oldest as well of three, and I can completely relate to that because I always felt like I had to be the first to succeed and had to kind of uh, be perfect in that way and everything. I was very competitive. I was that kid in class that had to get the spelling test done before everybody else and get it turned in and all of those things. So I can definitely relate to that. But being the oldest has its benefits because it gave you that work ethic to get to where you are now. And that confidence you were lacking maybe as a youngster obviously developed because look at you now. I mean, <laughs> wow, you'd never know it. And that's why it's so fascinating to talk to people because you're talking to people now that just seem like they're so put together and confident. And you find out wasn't always like that. It took a <laughs> lot of hard work and a lot of hard knocks to get to that. So you went through school and I know this is a passion that came to you a little later on in your life. So what did you do after high school? Um, so I went to college. I went to Brigham Young University in Utah and I entered college as a chemistry major. I loved chemistry in high school. I liked science. Plus also it sounds really smart. So like when you tell someone like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a chemistry major. People are like, oh, you must be really smart. Um, and I liked my chemistry classes, but they were so huge and you didn't really get to know the professors. And a lot of times when I'd ask questions, they'd be like, well, that's not going to be on the test. So we're not going to cover that right now. We'll cover that in like 302 or 405 or whatever. Um, and in the meantime, I took some art history classes, which I also loved in high school um, to fulfill like my humanities requirements and I like fell in love with art history so I switched majors had to eat a little humble pie because no one's really impressed when you tell them you graduated in art history and curatorial studies they just look at you and say well what are you going to do with that you know 
Um, but honestly, that was a harder track I think, than the chemistry track. We had to write so much. But um, so I graduated in art history, but I got married while I was still in school. And I actually had my first daughter before my last semester of school. So like, I remember I would wake up in the middle of the night um, to, to feed her. And I would realize I had been like running flashcards in my sleep, studying in my sleep. Um, I, I don't know, like I, it was like a tender mercy of the Lord that I was able to like graduate my classes. But um, so then I was a stay-at-home mom, you know, for years and years. Um, we moved to New York State, I think in 2007. And while I was there, I started a photography business, a portrait photography business. And I ran that for about five years. I specialized in maternity and newborns and babies and did families when the weather was nice. And that was a lot of fun. I really loved that. And I kind of thought I would keep doing that when we moved here. Um, we even built out a studio in the basement so that I could keep photographing babies, but it really seemed like my family was having a hard time adjusting. And so I took a step back to kind of really be with them. And the longer I was out of it, um, the less it felt like the right thing to jump back into it. So then I just kind of started looking around for, okay, well, how am I going to grow? What am I going to do next? Because I'm always happiest when I have like a project or something I'm working on, something I'm, you know, I love my family. I'm not really excited to get up and make school lunches in the morning. Like I'm happy to do it. I'm, I, I love doing that service for them or whatever, but like, that's well, and we should, gets... we should say you have a large family as well. Oh yeah. Yes. How I have many six kids children. do you have? Six children. I have six kids. Yeah. And you're looking for more to do. I right. mean, I don't know if you're brilliant or crazy, but I'm crazy. sorry. Go Definitely ahead. Crazy. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so I thought about a few things. I thought, well, I love to cook. Maybe I should start a food blog. But I realized I really hate reading food blogs. Like, I just want to get to the recipe. Um, so I actually started like an Instagram account where I was like taking photos of the things that I was baking um, just for fun. I thought about going to pastry school, but there wasn't really a good option for me in my stage of life. Um, and then I found like an online chocolate school. And I found that about the same time that I got really interested in chocolate itself, like as an agricultural product, like where it's grown and how it's grown and who grows it. And, you know, like what are the social ramifications of chocolate growing and like cacao growing and buying. And um, I think I've read every book that our public library system has on chocolate because <laughs> that just became really fascinating for me. Um, I don't drink coffee or wine, so I had never experienced terroir before, this idea of a taste of place, which chocolate also has. So it was really fascinating for me to taste chocolate from Madagascar and how it's so different from chocolate from Vietnam or from Ecuador. Um, so that all kind of coalesced at the same time that I found this online chocolate school, which my mom bought me the course for, I think it was a Christmas present. Yeah. Um, so it's her fault. <laughs> so when she's up late washing molds, we can say it's her fault. Oh. <laughs> we, bl we blame you in the best way possible. It's almost like you were in training your entire life for this moment because your chemistry ties into this as well. Right. You know, your right. photography ties into this. All of it kind of puts together. So were you still living in New York at the time or had you moved back to Kansas no, City when we, you started? So we had, we moved here about eight years ago. 
Um, and so it was kind of after we moved here and I was kind of trying to figure out, like my heart just wasn't in starting a photography business again. Um, I loved my clients in New York and I loved running my business, but the thought of starting it over from scratch and the industry had changed so much just in the five years between when I started and when we moved here. So um, that's when I kind of like discovered chocolate and became really interested in it and uh, thought, well, maybe this, maybe this would be something that I could be good at or that I could, you know, that could just be interesting and give me something to work on and interact with kind of. So Pat, when she shared all this with you, what did you think? Obviously <laughs> you supported it because you bought the course, but were you supportive right off the bat? I read that you're kind of a world traveler and you've kind of been all over the place and have experienced all different kinds of desserts and chocolates and whatnot. So were you really excited for her to take this on? I was excited for her, although a little nervous because she does have six kids. And I thought, how in the heck is this going to happen? But she's always bit, like when she does something, she goes all in. When she was practicing making bread, she read every book in the library about <laughs> bread and she made it a million times. It's wonderful um, <laughs> to be on this side of that, <laughs> to get to try it. And she would make pastries and really study up about it. And, and they were beautiful. Um, so it kind of just kind of fell together, I guess, <laughs> in a way. A little nervous in the beginning, but yeah. Yeah, but fast yeah. forward, we've, we've proven that there was nothing to be nervous about whatsoever. <laughs> and I can't wait to get to that in a minute. So you're doing this online class, you're studying under some of the most, you know, incredible chocolatiers in the world. Was it intimidating for you at all? Or were you picking up on everything right away and just really kind of embracing it? Um, no, it was terrifying. So, <laughs> so um, like I said, I, I have grown to be brave as an adult. That is not something that like I came to this earth with the ability to do things I might fail at or to embarrass myself in front of other people. Like that is a skill that I have had to cultivate. Um, so, uh, I, so I took the online course, which was great because it was in the privacy of my own home and I could like succeed or fail and no one could see it. But after that, I went to Las Vegas and I took a class from Melissa Copel at her school. And I walked into that. Well, I was terrified to take it, but I, I had to buy a chef jacket just so I could take the class so I wouldn't look like an idiot in the class. And I walked in and I was the only person in that class who had never been in a commercial kitchen. And you could tell. Um, but everyone was so nice and so welcoming. But that was really hard for me to put myself in that space and, and you know, kind of you do an introduction at the beginning, uh, like, who you are and why you're taking the class. And, you know, there are pastry chefs from Michelin star restaurants there and there are chocolatiers that own their own businesses. And there are, you know, people whose bosses sent them to go learn stuff, to come back and teach the, the team wherever they work. And I'm like, ha, I'm a homeschooling mom of six. I just thought like, I wanted to learn some more about chocolate. That's why I'm here. <laughs> you know? And um, so it was a little scary, but um 
everyone was so welcoming. And really I find in the food world, like uh, it's very different from like the corporate world or the professional world because in the food world, most people learn on the job. So the fact that I didn't go to culinary school, people didn't really look down on me for that. Or the fact that I didn't have very much experience, my work would speak for itself. Um, Sometimes people would like find my Instagram while we were in class because we'd be like friending each other or whatever so we could keep in touch. And they'd be like, oh, oh, you made this. <laughs> like, well, you probably, you probably <laughs> earned their respect really fast because well, you didn't I mean, come from their background and you in a way had to prove yourself, obviously, yeah, I mean, for not. I don't, think, I don't think anybody like was consciously doing that or made me feel that way. Um, but I, I do think that, um, I, I do feel like I heard some surprise in people's voices, but they <laughs> made me be like, oh, oh, you're doing things at this level and you learned how to do it all on your own. That's wow. You know? Um, and I just think it's really amazing that we can take so many different paths to get, you know, to where we're going. It doesn't have to look a certain way. So how long did this process take from start to finish of starting to learn everything, starting to go to school and then actually deciding, okay, I'm going to do this as a business. I, I think it was the winter of 2017 that I took the online class. Um, I'm pretty sure. Um, it might've been 2018, but I, so I spent a couple of years just, um, studying on my own, reading everything that I could find about chocolate, troubleshooting things, making friends in the industry that, you know, were willing to bounce ideas off each other together and um, just making a lot of chocolate and giving away a lot of chocolate. I think Why wasn't people, I friends with you sooner? I, <laughs> I think a lot of people in my life are a little bit sad that there's a business now because... <laughs> You know, like sometimes people get the rejects, but honestly, we sell chocolate so quickly. I almost can't give it to people just to be kind or whatever, because it, we don't have any left. So, um, so yeah, I, I just practiced and um, like developed recipes and, and thought about a lot about what kind of a business I would want to be, what kind of uh, products we would want to offer, what, you know, what is my voice in the chocolate world? Like, what do I have to say that's different from what the other chocolatiers out there are doing? Um, and kind of thought about, well, how can I do this business? Because working out of your home for chocolate, it's not like running a cake business out of your home or a cookie business, which is something that might take like a day or two and you have like a project and then you finish it almost all of our products take three or four days to make. And so it just doesn't work well out of a home kitchen. Also chocolate is not an immediately consumable product a lot of times. So you do have to be really careful about sanitation and shelf life, which is just more difficult. I think when you're sharing the kitchen with six tiny people that maybe don't care so much about sanitation and shelf life. Um, so so I, we kicked around a lot of ideas, um, like using a culinary incubator or, or looking for places to rent, seeing if there was a kitchen somewhere that people weren't using all the time that we could rent space in. And it just, 
finding our own space made the most sense. So after about a year of working like as a business out of our home, we found our space and it's just kind of perfect for us. It is, and it's in a great location. Now, when you were going through this process, mm-hmm. um, I have to tell our listeners, because we have like an international audience, we're in Kansas City. And Kansas City has one of the biggest chocolatiers out there right now. Did you feel any pressure at all going up against someone here? And and you almost, I mean, you're, you're going to be a smaller shop for a while. You're going to be huge. I just know you are. But was there any feelings of competition or anything like that when you kind of conceptualize this is what I want to do? So we're talking about Chris, right? (laughs) We are. We're talking about Christopher (laughs) Elbow. I wasn't going to say it out loud. Now we also have Russell Stover. We also have Russell Stover, but that's, that's not, that's that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. That's a different product Um, altogether, but yes, Christopher Elbow chocolates is, is, is the big deal for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So So Chris's chocolate is one of the things that got me really interested in chocolate. I had never seen chocolate like his before we moved here. Um, We probably made it to his shop about a year after we moved here. And I was just blown away. It was so beautiful. And I thought, wow, what a lucky person who gets to like have the professional training from such a young age to be able to do like it, it felt like something that was like so far out of reach for a person like me to be able to to learn that sort of a skill. Um, But it was the thing that got me really interested in this style of chocolatier work. Um, And I actually had the opportunity to work for him a couple of Christmases ago when they needed some seasonal production help. um, Because I thought, you know, it's one thing to make chocolate in your own home, on your own terms, with your own flavors, where you can make something new every time. It's a different thing to do the same thing over and over on a deadline for people that are expecting things of you. Um, And I wanted to see, I thought I would like working with chocolate as a job, but there's no real way to know until you do. And um, I had the best experience there. Their team there is amazing. They make such an amazing product. It was so interesting to see the way they run their business, such a positive work environment. I don't, I don't feel like we are competitors with, with Chris. I don't feel like I'm trying to take his customers or hoping that there are enough left for me. I I think that people love chocolate and there's, there are enough reasons to eat it, that there's room in the market for lots of different businesses um, to fulfill that need. So um, I I will say that I am flattered every single time somebody compares our work to his and and that does happen quite frequently in our shop. Um, but I, I am so impressed with their product and their business. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really feel like we need to compete with them. I just feel like if we can um, achieve that same level of quality, then we will have been doing something right. Well, Pat, I have to compliment you because you obviously raised a brilliant child because not a lot of people think about that. Not a lot of people think I should go work or go try this out first and really make sure this is what I want to do. A lot of people will just dive into something and realize maybe it wasn't their passion or it wasn't what it was all cracked up to be. Whereas Jessica, you had the the foresight to go, okay, I'm going to go try this out with the best that I know and, and learn and then apply what I learn. 
So that's a huge takeaway from this already is if you're interested in doing something like that, go try and be involved in it and soak in that knowledge and learn what works for you and what doesn't. So Pat, good on you. (laughs) (laughs) So you've opened up this online business. You're making chocolate like crazy out of your kitchen. I'm sure your children are loving it. Um, (laughs) You do find your shop. um, It was uh, this past December that you opened. Is that right? So you've got this cute little shop right on seven highway in blue Springs, a prime location. And we don't have anything like that out this way. So it's a really perfect place and time for you to open. What was it like designing your shop and, you know, deciding how it was going to function for you? Um, Well, we actually kind of fell into this space. We had, we had been looking at spaces um, like the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, Um, And we were ready to kind of open a shop, but then the pandemic hit and we thought we're just going to take a step back because our overhead at that point was our website fee, which we had already paid for the year. So it's kind of like, if we don't have to figure out how to do this in the middle of a global pandemic where no one knows what's going on, let's, let's not, let's wait. So we kind of took a step back and then we, we started looking again in the summer and we found a space we really liked in the summit and we had planned it all out and we had had contractors come out and bid the space. We had kind of thought about what we wanted to put in there and stuff. And then we got to the point where we were ready to write our letter of intent and we wrote our offer and the landlord came back saying that, oh no, sorry, the price it was listed for was wrong. And they really wanted like twice as much as they had it listed for. And the whole reason we were going with that space was that it was already a kitchen and it was um, not a very high rent. Um, We were really nervous about getting in over our heads with rent. um, And we just wanted to be really smart about our expenses. Um, So it just was not worth what they were asking for it. So we kind of took a step back and I actually found out on my mom's birthday that that's what had happened. And my mom and my husband's birthday is is the same day. So I didn't tell them because I didn't want to ruin their birthday. So I just kind of like crawled in my bed and I cried for about an hour. And then I got up and I got my car and I started driving around Blue Springs looking for spaces that had vacancies. And um, I, I, I drove past our space and I took a picture of the the sign with the phone number and sent it to my agent and said, can you find out about this space? And uh, when we walked into it a few weeks later, um, we walked in and I was like, oh my gosh, I want this space. This is, this is our space. I can't believe it. Um, We did not have to do very much to it. We added the retail counter and we brought in all the equipment, but there was beautiful paneling on the walls. The walls were already painted colors that matched our branding. Um, So planning out our shop just kind of happened organically. We luckily found um, someone in a a Facebook group that I was in for entrepreneurs, who's an interior architect and, and she designed our counter for us and did an amazing job. And um, I had lots of help picking out equipment and figuring out what we would need. And it just kind of came together really quickly. I mean, we saw our space for the first time, I think on September 9th and we, or October 9th, 
and we opened December 15th. So it wow. just, it just came together. I mean, we had given up. We had thought, oh, we won't be in anywhere before Christmas of 2020. So let's try to get in somewhere like late spring, early summer of 21 and try to be open by Christmas of that year. But this place was basically ready to go. And so we're just able to move things in and get going. Well, and it's like you hit the gas pedal and it hasn't slowed down since. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, been, it's crazy. It's, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we haven't even said the name yet. It's Bliss Chocolatier. <laughs> we haven't is. even said that. Where did the name Bliss come from for you? Um, so I actually, um, in that period of time where I found chocolate, it was actually a really, really difficult time for me personally. We had a lot of challenges in our family and, and things were really heavy and really hard. And making chocolate just really made me happy. It gave me something to kind of like offset some of that heaviness and and give me something to be excited about and something to, to think about that was positive and challenging, like in the good way, <laughs> the challenges that have solutions, not the ones that don't seem to have any solutions. So it just brought me bliss. And then, you know, the best thing is to like watch someone try your product and see their face light up. And just so we making chocolate brings us bliss. We really hope that it brings our customers bliss. Um, from what we've heard, I think it does. <laughs> well, it's brilliant. I love the word bliss anyway, because it means so much. You almost feel it when you say it, because you know what that feeling right. feels like. So I love that you named it that. Okay. We have to talk about your very recent success. So you were supposed to be on last week, I think, and you emailed me. You're like, we got to reschedule. I'm getting a little feature in the Washington Post what yes. the heck? How did that happen? And not only were you featured in the Washington Post, but alongside one of your teachers as well. Melissa yes. was listed yes. in it too. So what was right. that like for you? Or have you even had a chance to process it yet? <laughs> well, I mean, it was, it was a surprise. We didn't know it was going to happen. Um, the Sunday that that article launched, I just kept getting pings on my phone, like that we were getting order after order. And I would look at where they were coming from. And I was like, well, who's buying our chocolate from Maryland or Arizona or California? Like, I mean, we do have customers across the country, but we don't tend to get like 30 orders in 45 minutes. That's not the kind of business we are yet. So um, it wasn't until I got on Instagram and found out that another colleague of mine had been featured in the Washington Post, and I was tagged in the post as one of the other, the other chocolatiers that had been mentioned. So that's how I found out that we were there. Um, and we, yeah, we did not know that was going to happen. So we were getting orders from all over the country. Um, and after about 24 hours, I had to sh take the bonbons off the website because the way we do our bonbons is we just make a bunch of them and then I'll put on our website about how many boxes I think we can fulfill for online versus in the store. But they were selling so quickly that I was worried we weren't going to have anything for our local customers like on Tuesday when we are open. So we kind of had to, to shut that down. Um, and I had thought we were in good shape for Valentine's Day, but we were apparently not because we had to just, uh, you know, just make round after round after round of bonbons to replenish um, what was selling so very quickly. Um, but it was wonderful. It was wonderful to be able to reach so many new customers and to, you know, 
get to be a part of their special day with their loved ones, that's quite an honor. Well, I, I just, when you emailed that to me, I was just shocked and excited and everything for you because you are still a relatively new business. To, so to have that kind of national spotlight shown on you, but I'm sure, okay, yes, you felt bliss. You were happy, but I'm sure another word with S's came to mind of stress. <laughs> of how am I going to get this all done? Like I'm only one person and I'm sure right. your mom, your I'm sure everybody's in there helping, but right. it's, it's an overwhelming feeling. I'm sure. And you want to make sure your product's going out as perfectly as possible. And you don't want to cut corners and all of that, right. but you made it, you did it. And now yeah, we did. And, and I had know, I had to keep reminding myself that like, you know, I'd have ideas. I'd be like, well, maybe we can make this or maybe we could do this. And, and when things didn't work out, I just had to remind myself, like, we're not losing anything. We're just not able to maybe take advantage of this particular opportunity because we weren't prepared for that. Um, but we can take advantage of this other opportunity or, or, and not to get too uptight or overwhelmed with the fact that we couldn't meet all the demand that we were having. It would have been wonderful to be able to sell a box to every person that wanted to buy a box in that moment from us and to make them a new customer for us. But, you know, we weren't looking for that. We weren't expecting it. So to just be grateful for what we were able to do um, and the people we were able to reach. And but kind of inadvertently, inadvertently, that demand was created now. So now people know when it's, <laughs> when it's out there and it's on the website, you better get it. You better get it. You right. better get it quick. Um, right. And I think people are realizing that like, if it's the week of a chocolate holiday, come to bliss early in the week. Like we make so much chocolate and we think we're so prepared and, and it happened with Christmas. It happened with Valentine's day where I had to do like a midweek, like overnight 35 hour day to get enough chocolate to be in the store so that our, our customers that are coming like on a Friday or Saturday still have chocolate to buy. So now in those moments where you're spending these all-nighters doing this stuff, are you in the, you know, we don't have to tell anybody, nobody listened to this part. <laughs> were you having those moments of like, what the heck am I doing? Like, why am I up working all night long during, or are you still feeling that joy of why you created all of this? Uh, both. <laughs> like, I, Everybody I, plug I, your ears. <laughs> right. Um, I have quit and fired myself probably 25 times since we started this. <laughs> I've also shouted things like bonbons are stupid. We should only make chocolate bars <laughs> because they're beautiful and they're what we bring people in the shop, but they take, they are so finicky and so labor intensive. And we've had people come in the shop and be like, well, they're like different sizes or different shapes. Why are they all the same price? And it's because because they all take four days to make like, um, but, but I have never been like, Oh, I don't want to do this or what have we done? Or where's the escape hatch? <laughs> like, somebody <laughs> get me out of here. Um, it's, it's more like the thoughts I'm having are like, okay, how are we going to go about preventing this from happening again? Who, who could we hire to do what, or what, what would we be, what are ways to make things more efficient or how can we, change our batch sizes so that, you know, we're working more efficiently and, and things like that. To well, kind we've of already learned you're a problem that. solver. We've already learned you're a problem solver. So I'm sure you <laughs> started reading all of those books and you're figuring it out and it's all going to be fine. Right. Right. <laughs> well, Pat, you've got to be so proud of your daughter, watching her go through all this and creating the sex, you know, successful business with her. Um, what's it been like for you watching all of this come to fruition you know you bought her this course this class and look what she's done with it 
what have I done? <laughs> no, <laughs> no it, it's very exciting and she is amazing. And she really does have a skill for putting flavors together, I think, and making a really tasty product. And she does have an incredible work ethic. And I keep, I want to keep saying, we might have to just close down for, you know, we can only do what we can do until figure out a way to make it happen. And so we just keep working to make it happen. And it's been exciting. And sometimes it's dumb, but washing <laughs> <laughs> like, molds are is dumb. <laughs> like, why am I doing this? Well, I'm I... not traveling all over the world right now. <laughs> well, but and Pat, is, is your exciting? Is your official title um, official taste tester, or <laughs> are you are you the moral support? Are you the business support? What is your role right now with the company? Uh, I kind of do a little of everything. Um, I wash dishes, I scrub the floors. Um, I am mostly in the front and I I would say I'm taking care of the customers more often. Yeah. And I'm like, you need to get out there so you can see what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, she does a lot of the front of the house and, and a lot of the post-production. So a lot of like the packaging and order fulfillment and shipping things out, which is a huge, huge job, much bigger than we anticipated. We really thought she'd be making a lot more chocolate with me, but we realized like what I do is more than a full-time job and what she has does is more than a full-time job so yeah it's a lot she does a lot yeah just to make everything run smoothly I'm I've been yeah more than a full-time job <laughs> to make it all to make well, it all happen and I love that you made it a family business you know that this is something that you both can share and revel in the success of I think that's really special because you know some mother daughters don't have that relationship and they'd be pulling each other's hair out by now and everything <laughs> but it really comes across as you both are really supportive of each other and just really want to see each other's happiness and see this be a huge success so that's awesome. I want to know what's next for you. What's the next big plan? I know this is just getting kicked off and you've only been open officially a few months, but you sound like the person who's always thinking ahead. So what <laughs> do you want next? Well, we are planning on introducing ice cream when the weather warms up. So um, because chocolate is a very seasonal product. Um, so ice cream is a way for us to stay engaged with our community, like through the summer. Um, what we are so looking forward to doing once uh, it's safe to do it is to offer classes. We'd like to do some hands-on classes, but also to do chocolate education classes, to teach people all the things that I felt were so fascinating about cacao that I never knew about just buying a chocolate bar from the grocery store and to let people come in and taste chocolate from different regions and to taste like how you can really tell the difference between these fine flavor beans that are grown by these uh, amazing farmers in all these different countries and how that makes a quality chocolate product and um, just really help people to appreciate chocolate more because really there shouldn't be any cheap chocolate on the market. If chocolate is, is cheap, it means that it's be, they're using commodity beans, they're maybe not being grown very safely, um, the farmers aren't being paid a living wage, um, but it's really difficult 
you know, to get over the hurdle of a like 99 cent Hershey bar versus like a $10 craft chocolate bar when you don't understand why, why that discrepancy exists. Um, so we want chocolate to be around forever. And unless we kind of change some things in the industry, it won't be, or it won't be chocolate the way that we know it now. Um, so that is something we would really like to bring to this community and help them to understand how connected they are to these other parts of the world in ways that they don't realize um, when they are enjoying chocolate. And that's something I feel like I could take, like you did in Las Vegas. I could come take that class, not know anything about anything and still have a fantastic time. So I can't oh, wait for you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. These next three questions are for both of you. Okay. So how do you deal with criticism? Do you want to go hmm. first or me? Okay. So my initial response to criticism is, ow, that hurts. Oh, um, but I, I always remind myself I'm grateful if, if someone brings a criticism to me directly, I'd much rather somebody um, bring a complaint to me about me than to somebody else about me and try to be grateful for the opportunity that I have to make it right and to do better the next time. Um, it's, but it's something I have to consciously choose to do, if that makes sense. Um, because initially there's still that part of me that doesn't want to fail and doesn't want anyone to see my failure and oh that must be shameful to have done something wrong so I have to really consciously choose to remind myself everybody screws up everybody makes mistakes and if you never know what mistakes you're making you can't ever fix them so to be grateful to have that brought to my attention so that I can do better the next time all right Pat you've got to follow that good luck <laughs> oh, well, <I'll> <laughs> um, it is hard to have criticism it is hard to hear it but yet at the same time like like Jessica said to build and grow and become better at what you're doing and so if you can have that perspective it helps sometimes I just need to breathe <laughs> take a moment to relax and breathe through through the criticism and then figure out, okay, what, what can we do to make it better? Well, I'm sure there were people in your lives that thought you were both crazy for taking this on, you know, and, and now they're just like, okay, now we get it. Okay. Now we understand, but you know, for anybody over this last year who was considering doing something new during the pandemic, um, everybody would look at you cross-eyed, but it was the best time to really try anything or do anything. Cause so many of us, I mean, me, I was furloughed and then lost my job. So I kind of had no choice, but to pivot and do something different and try something new. And otherwise I probably would have never done it. Cause I got so used to doing the same thing my entire life and had all those negative thoughts that my ego was telling me that I can't do something or fearing failure, just like what you said, Jessica. So Congratulations to both of you for taking that criticism and, and doing the right things with it, but for working together during a really difficult time to make a dream a reality. That's huge. Okay, the next question. What inspires you? You guys look like twins right now. It's adorable. <laughs> well, 
we, we have these Amazon Echo Flexes. So we have one in the shop. So my kids can drop in on the shop and have conversations with me. And they just, I can hear them talking. So like, oh. like if I'm here at the shop and I need to take them to Taekwondo, I can like have Alexa announce that they need to go get dressed. So they'll be ready when I get home and I can hear them talking. So that was a little distracting. But um, uh, what inspires me? Uh, I get inspired with like, I wonder if this will work. I wonder if I can figure out a way to do X, Y, Z. Like, you know, I might have an idea for a product or um, a promotion or, or, you know, just something in my personal life. I, I wonder if I can figure out a way to make that work. I think that is probably the thing that inspires me the most is just the curiosity of trying to see if something can work or not. Pat, how about you? I would say sunshine. The beach <laughs> inspires me. <laughs> That's where I would like to be. <laughs> um, but people and and connection with people and the happiness. And so when we are dead tired, working long, long hours, and then I get to work with customers and they're just so happy. And so many people are like, boy, I sure hope you guys are successful. I really want you guys to be successful. And they are happy that we are in town. And those kinds of things and connection, because I do like to connect with people on an emotional level. Um, and so when it is hard, I think some of those things are the things that keep me going. That is wonderful. Okay, final question, no pressure. What mantra do you say to yourself that keeps you going every day? <laughs> okay, this has got to be good when you both laugh at the same time together. It's got to be good. Because what will happen is everything's going wrong, right? Like everything's going to the toilet and I'll be over there like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. We don't have any bonbons at all. And we have hundreds of people coming in this weekend because it's Valentine's Day and they all want to give chocolate to the people they love. And we don't have anything for them. And there's only 36 hours to make it all. But it's going to be fine because we can do this. We're going to do one thing and then we'll do the next thing and we'll do the next thing. And it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. We're just, we're just going to believe it's going to be fine. So... You only sign, sound mildly delirious, but you oh, know. Oh, no, that's like full-blown <laughs> panic mode, but but I will literally like talk myself out loud when I need to, like I'll acknowledge what the challenge is, but I'll say why it's going to be okay and just like and talk it through that way. And somebody should be like, am I supposed to be a part of this conversation? Like, am I supposed to be listening to this? I'm like, no, it's fine. It's going to be fine. I'm just talking to myself over here because it's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> can do this we can keep going um yeah we so far we both have seemed to panic at different times <laughs> so we that's take turns <laughs> and i think that's been helpful the other thing that i think about a lot of times um I had a friend share this on social media a while ago and it just put into words what I think I was feeling but didn't have the words for which was I wonder what will happen if I just don't quit and so that's what I think a lot of times is um, like I wonder where this will go if I don't quit um, 
and it, it's not a very pressure filled thing. It's not like, oh, I have to succeed or it has to be a certain way, but it's just more curiosity driven. Like, I wonder what we could do if we just kept going. Um, so, and then the other thing, you know, like I shared before, I spent most of my life being terrified of failure. Um, so what's the worst thing that could happen if we fail? That's really helpful because it's usually not something totally awful. It's usually survivable. And then what if I said yes instead of no? And that's something I've tried to learn to do like probably the last five, six, seven years. It's just, well, what if I said yes instead of no? If my initial reaction is, no, that's too hard. That's too scary. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I've never done that before. Well, what if I said yes instead of no? And let's just see what happens. I love all of that. And I'm immediately writing it on my bathroom mirror. That is brilliant. <laughs> well, it's simple enough, but it's brilliant because it gets you thinking. And that fear starts to dissipate a little bit. Like, okay, so if I fail, I've failed a hundred times before and I'm still here. It's okay. Right. <laughs> so Jessica and Pat, I love that you took charge of your own professional happiness and found something that you could really apply your passion to and your creativity to. Tell everybody how they can try your fantastic products. Oh, well, I think the most fun way is if you're local is to come into the shop because we love to talk with our customers about our products and help you pick out the thing that's just, that you're gonna enjoy the most. So our shop is at 3100 Southwest 7 Highway in Blue Springs. Um, so that is probably the most fun. If you are not local, you can order um, anywhere in the U.S. Uh, our website is www.blisschocolatier.com and we can ship things out to you. Um, and then you can also follow us on social media. Uh, we're at bliss.chocolatier on Instagram and blisschocolatier on Facebook as well. And I'm going to make sure I tag you in all of these posts and um, I'm going to try to help keep you busy, you know, not to pull your hair out or anything, but I would love all of my listeners to yeah. check you guys out um, before you get so big that there's a waiting list to, you know, try your chocolate. I need to get in there before that happens. So any final thoughts you'd like to leave with the listeners? love what we do and we're excited about it and this girl's brain is constantly moving <laughs> constantly rolling thinking of the next thing she wants to make and I'm like okay let's do it <laughs> um it's just it's been fun and exciting yeah, and I couldn't I couldn't do this without my mom like it would not be possible and I just feel so lucky and so grateful that instead of spending her, you know, grandma years uh, traveling around and just kicking her feet up that she's here in the kitchen with me every day, doing anything that's asked of her, like, um, I just, I feel really blessed and really lucky. We almost made it through without crying. We almost <laughs> did. <laughs> I love it. And it's fun to be a part of it all. <laughs> I love it. I adore the both of you. I think you're absolutely fantastic. Thanks again for taking the time to talk with me today during your very busy time. So thanks for <laughs> listening, everybody. And I'll talk to you again soon. Remember, your thoughts become your reality. You have all you need to begin to make your dreams come true. Dream it, believe it, manifest it. Have a great week and I'll talk to you again soon.